Welcome to the Life of Christ, Lesson 30. We're going to pick up where we left off in 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 16, where again he, um, Elisha answers and says, Do not fear, this is to his servant who is freaking out. He says, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. All right, now this is the Syrian army. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. It is a prayer that we all need to pray sometimes. Is to open our eyes so we stop complaining. <laughs> okay? So that we can see what God is up to. Amen. You see, it isn't a matter of God do something. It's a matter of be aware that God is doing something. Amen. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, again I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw what no ordinary man could see. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Now that's interesting. They were surrounding Elisha. And it made a note that it was surrounding Elisha. The servant with him, but it was around Elisha. Sure, the servant got in on it, but it was around Elisha. Are you all with me? Okay. Alright, so the more dangerous you become to the enemy, because some people say, oh, I don't want to do this because, you know, as you, as you fight, you know, God's fight, and they think, oh, the devil's going to attack me, let him try. We need to have our eyes opened. We need to understand that whatever the enemy does, that's the reason why we need to learn how to walk by faith. Amen? In everything in our life. And so it says here again that the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire, all around Elisha. Now two scriptures immediately come to mind here. The first is in Psalm 34 and verse 7, which says, The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Amen? Alright? And the second is in Romans chapter 8 verse 31, where the Apostle Paul says, What can we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Continuing on in 2 Kings, Chapter 6, verse 18. It says, So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Now watch, he could have said, Kill him all. Right. Alright, now, you know, remember that one angel comes down and kills, I don't know, what, 180,000 right. people or whatever, okay? Yeah. One angel, man, can just... Now, he's got a whole mountain full. What are you going to do with so many? <laughs> That's like bringing a cannon to a gunfight, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay, and so he's just got this army that's standing there going, give the word. These guys are ready for battle. This is like, yeah, I need to sharpen my sword a bit today. <laughs> Let's go cut a few heads, you know? I mean, they're just there. They'll just do whatever. Amen. That's why we have to be careful what we pray. Who's controlling this army? See, it's not God, is it? Elisha gets to say what happens next. Don't freak out. Do you hear me? You know, one of the things that, you know, when, when you learn self-defense and stuff, the reason you don't freak out is you can do a lot of damage. If you've been taught how to fight, you can do a lot of damage if you freak out. You keep your cool so that you can control what happens. So you don't use all your stuff and kill people and then go to jail or whatever. Do you understand? It's not for them, it's for you that you don't freak out. And so it's, you know, 
This is a point in time when Elisha could have just gone, okay. If he freaked out, it would just said, kill him, kill him, just get rid of all of him. Well, what would that do? So let's see what he does. Let's learn from this. He says, and Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, strike these people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness, literally a dazzling, uh, dazzling from bright light, okay? According to the word of Elisha. So it's according to the word of Elisha. Boom, all go blind. Now, the Apostle Paul himself was struck with this same dazzling bright light. Now, why I'm bringing this up is because you need to see what this bright light was. Okay? And blinded him in the same way. And why we know that it was Jesus Christ that was responsible for both incidents. It says in Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 9, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath. He was eager to destroy the Lord's followers, so he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. Interesting, isn't it? Of the way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. All right. And he wanted to bring them both, men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was nearing Damascus on this mission, a bright, brilliant light from heaven suddenly beamed down upon him. And he fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what to do. Uh, what to do. And the men with Saul stood speechless, I'm on page 45, with surprise, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they saw no one. Verse 8, as Saul picked himself up off the ground, he found that he was blind. Notice, bright light, blindness. What's Elisha said? Blind them. And this dazzling light comes up and blinds them all up. Okay? Interesting, huh? And so his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days. So we can see the power of this thing. It's quite effective. So let's go back to Kings. Second Kings 6.19. Now Elisha said to them, This is so funny. This is how cool he is. Oh, he's standing there. He looks at the army and he goes, mm, wonder what we'll do with this one today. He goes, you know what? Blind them all. Okay, I just see this, you know, he's like, yeah, just blind them, we'll take care of it, you know? So boom, they all get blind, so all the angels go, oh, okay, we don't get to kill him. Alright, so, <laughs> hey, look, look at what's going on here, alright? And, and so he goes down there, he goes right in the midst of a whole army, now this is a whole army, all blind, there's not one that can see. Can you imagine? I mean, in which direction are you going to ride? I don't know. Okay, so you would basically just stand still and go, oh boy, what just happened? I can't see anything. All right, and Elisha says to them, um, this is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me and I will bring you to the man you seek. <laughs> yeah, the guy that's talking to you is the guy you seek. All right, anyway, but he led them to Samaria. In other words, he just lied to them. Oh, but we're not meant to lie. He lied. I'm just saying. Alright? Because in verse 13, their objective was to get Elisha. However, Elisha now leads them right into the hands of the king of Israel. Without any bloodshed. With verse 20 going on to say. So it was when they had come to Samaria that Elisha said, Now watch again, Elisha is in control. And watch who he's talking to. The Lord. 
Huh? He says, Lord, blind them. He goes, okay, all they need to see is me for a second. There it is. There they're blind. Okay. <laughs> so now he says, and he said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord says, sure thing. And the Lord opened their eyes. Notice? Alright, again, I'm saying here Jesus was the one behind this victory. And they saw, and they were inside Samaria. Oops. Okay, <laughs> this is such a bad idea. Remember the whole army, remember? This is a great multitude went up against Elisha. Remember that? I mean, this was not a small raiding party. It was like a huge force. Alright. Now, when the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elijah, My father, all right, now note the respect that the king had for the prophet. Interesting, isn't it? Okay, and he said, Shall I kill them? <laughs> okay, he wants to just kill him. He's like, Okay, we got him right here, let's just kill him, and that's the end of that. Wanted to worry about that kingdom ever attacking us again. Are you all with me? But he answered, He says, You shall not kill them. He says, would you kill those who you have taken captive with your sword and your bow? Now watch what he does. He says, set food and water before them, that they may eat and drink and go to their master. Now this kind act not only testified to the goodness of God, but also the goodness of those that followed him. And it did put an end to the future opposition from the Syrian raiders. Alright, when it goes on to say in verse 23, Then he prepared a great feast for them, and after they ate and drank, he sent them away, and they went to their master. So the bands of Syrian raiders came no more into the land of Israel. Isn't that interesting? What an incredible thing. I could just imagine them going and saying, this is no point. Man, they know what we're thinking when we're, before we think it. They're waiting for us. Then we go attacking him and they lead us right into the city walls of our enemy. And then they feed us. <laughs> and by the way, we were blind. They could have done anything they want. Who's going to fight this? Who is going to fight a God and a people that can blind a whole army? And do whatever they want with them. Whenever they want to. They were kind this time. Let's just take the hint and get out of here and never come back. Amen. Are you all here? Hallelujah. Okay. So here again, we see how the Lord worked with, his, with Elisha to defeat an entire army, stop a war and bring peace into a dangerous situation, all supernaturally. This is what Jesus meant when he said in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Can you now get a little bit more insight into peacemakers? See, they're not wimpy little people. Hear me. This is a person that has control over a situation. Amen? And uses all that power to do the right thing. He was blessed, wasn't he? The army didn't come back. Amen. Okay. Things to think about. In other words, to be a godly peacemaker, you actually need to be operating in the power of God. To where it is obvious to all that what was done was literally impossible. And why Jesus says that they shall be called, by other people, sons of God. Think about that term. They call you children of God. They say this one must belong to God. Look at what they do. This is no ordinary situation. These are no ordinary people. 
They don't call us religious. They say these are the sons of God. There's a difference. You all hear? Okay. All right. Moving on from here, our next stop is the book of Daniel. Now, this is about 264 years later, when Christ appears to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or as um, Brother Jesse Duplantis says, your shek, my shek, and a bungalow. No. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Now, these, these guys just refuse to bow before the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar sets up. And it says in verses 19 through 25, Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, being defied to his face, and the expression of his face changed, we're on page 46, changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And therefore, because the king's command was urgent, and the furnace exceedingly hot, watch this, the flame of the fire killed those men who, who, um, who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Alright? So this, this tells us that... This wasn't a small flame. And people can't say, oh no, it wasn't so bad. You know, it just sounded bad. But, you know, the reason that they didn't get burned, because it probably was like a little bonfire. Uh, you can't burn up a whole bunch of people that are taking them in with a little bonfire. Are you all with me? This thing is so strong and so powerful. The people that were taking them in got burnt up. Now that's interesting, isn't it? The people that were taking them in got burnt up. But they're not. Okay, let's keep going. <laughs> it says, And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst, okay, that's the middle, okay, of the burning fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of, this, of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king, he says, Look, I see four men loose. Now notice they are loose. There are four of them now. And they're not burning. <laughs> okay? They're walking in the midst of the fire. And they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Mm. Now, I have heard commentaries about this and you can believe what you want. But from every indication it seems like Jesus Christ keeps turning up and turning up and turning up. And even though this is a, a pagan king, a bad person, that doesn't, and people have said, oh, how would he know it was the Son of God anyway? It was just something he wanted to say. Probably was an angel. Whatever. That the, the Bible records his words as being the Son of God, I think is significant. All right? And also, the fact that Jesus keeps turning up to help his people, I think is significant. And I can't see why he wouldn't turn up in this instant, especially when three boys would say, we are not bowing our knee. Live or die, it's not happening. Are you all here? William MacDonald writes, We believe that it was indeed the Son of God, no matter how the king viewed him. The Lord either saves us out of trouble, or he is with us in the troubles. Interesting, isn't it? Huh? Amen? Amen. 
All right. In this case, it happened to be both. He was with them and also went on to save them. This incident, this incident gives greater meaning to what Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 28, 20, and that is, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world or in the end of the age. Depends how you read that. Okay? So he says, I'm always with you. I'm always with you. We may think that God's forsaken us. He can't. He lives in you. Where is he going to go? Okay, he promised to be with you when you invited him into your heart. He stayed and he's there with you always. Hallelujah. That's what Hebrews 13 5 also means when it says, For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. So continue on in Daniel chapter 3. Verses 26 through 30 now. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. Okay. We caught that one now. <laughs> okay. There is the proof. See, this is, how you, this is how you witness the sinners. When they see something that they just go, okay, this is not a lot of religious talk. This is happening in front of my eyes. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's the reason why we need to learn to walk by faith. Faith is a power walk. Are you all here? Okay. It's one that allows signs, wonders, miracles to take place. And it allows us, and this is, you know, let me just say this for a minute. Let me just take a minute out here. Let me preach you for a second. Can I do that? I've been teaching very diligently today, okay? So give me a minute here. The nine manifestations of the Spirit. They are for you every day. We need them out there. Listen to me. Sometimes you need word of knowledge, word of wisdom. Sometimes you need to know what's going on before it happens. You need God to tell you, this person is coming up, this person is resistant. Here's some inside information into their life. Don't blab it to everybody, by the way. Okay? But you need to walk by faith to actually pick up on it and repeat it. Because how, the, the first problem that you will always run into is your mind will say, how can you know this to be true? How can you be sure about this? You're just making this up. That's the reason why we need to walk by faith. Because God will start giving us things and we need to pick up on those and go, okay, I'm freaking out here, God, but if you want me to do this or say this, I will. Are you all here? Alright, and we need to learn how to tap into that more and more. I think so much of the time we're just trying to, you know, kind of barely get along and so on and so forth. You know, I pray for miracles all the time. I constantly pray for stuff. I pray for stuff. I mean, real tangible things. And I believe and I receive. Amen. And, you know, that, that's, that's what we're meant to be doing. It's just, it is meant to be our life. We believe, we receive, we move on. We, and then we go for something else. And we keep climbing that ladder from glory to glory, from strength to strength, from faith to faith. Are you all here? And so we need to be pushing that envelope constantly in our life. And I know sometimes it just gets tiring and you're thinking, oh, you know, what? It's like whatever. Okay, have those times, but get back on and keep going. Amen? All right, so let's get back to this. So he says, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire. Now all indications are that only the cords that bound them were burnt. Interesting, isn't it? 
So something had to happen to the cords. Everything of theirs stayed, stayed good. Everything that was causing them harm was destroyed, including the cords. The people that throw them in and the cords. See this, right up to their skin, things were being burnt off and they weren't, they weren't harmed by it. Just saying. Verse 27. And the, the satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and they saw, uh, saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. Notice, the fire had no power. Alright? The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected. Didn't, okay? And the smell of fire was not on them. See, they didn't smell like they were just in the furnace. Like I said, that in itself is a miracle. They're walking in. And stop for a second, okay? See the, see the magnitude of this miracle. Because we miss some things. Alright? I know you're very tired today. Just follow me with your imagination if you can. These people, even though they didn't get burned, they're still walking on burned things. They're surrounded by burned things. You know, they, I don't know if you know this, but fire has a lot of wind attached to it, so to speak. There, you can't burn something because there is... Uh, uh, I don't want to get scientific on you, but it, 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 it's a chemical reaction sort of taking place. Can I just say that? And, and a part of that is, I don't know if you're next to a fire, but you can sense... The, 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 um, how can I say, there's, there's, there's a certain force in the, the surrounding atmosphere. You can really feel it. Okay? Now they're walking in the midst of the fire. Like they're walking in it. So even though they don't get burned, you know, you might walk through a room full of smoke, even though you don't smoke, okay, that stuff can still get in your clothes, even though your clothes haven't smoked. Okay, but they've been smoked. You know what I'm saying? Because you walk through and you come out smelling like smoke, and then somebody goes, Have you been smoking? And go, No. And they go, They smell your clothes and go, Yeah, no, I walked through a room of smoke. So I smell like smoke because I was in a place where all it was surrounded by this. They were surrounded by all of this. How can their clothes not smell like smoke and none of their garments smell and they themselves not smell like smoke? I want you to think about this for a minute. Where was the protection? Think about Noah's Ark. You know one little wooden boat in the middle of the ocean, I don't care how seaworthy the thing was, it is not going to stand up to what was going on on a, on a, on a planetary scale. God just put a covering around them. That's why nothing could penetrate that covering and nothing could get in their clothes. Are you all with me? Same thing he did to the ark when it said he shut them in. He didn't just lock the door. He threw a covering. If you could see, it was like a force field went around the thing. This is the only way that they could be that safe. That's the only way these guys could go in and not come out smelling like smoke. Short of a hazmat suit or something. You know what I'm trying to say? They had to have something else outside of them covering them to keep everything from going through. So, when they, so I hope you're getting this. That protection was so complete. That's why it was such a key thing that they said that it, they didn't even smell like they'd been in there. Things to think about. I hope you get that. That's how well God looks after you. Okay? That's how well He looks after you.
We're still to catch up to that. One day maybe we'll learn about force fields and go, oh we get it now. That's kind of what we do, you know, with the Bible. Once we get there, then we get it. Until then we go, I don't know, I don't know how that's possible. Yeah, because you haven't invented it yet. Stupid, you know. Okay, <laughs> you know. God creates, all we do is discover. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> and it, uh, where was I now? Okay, and even the smell of the fire was not on them. Now the Ryrie Study Bible says that there can be no natural explanation for such complete deliverance. Their faith brought deliverance, protection, reward, and glory to God. Amen. Verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel, all right, remember again, it's the pre-incarnate Christ, and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word, okay, it's the king speaking by the way, and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Notice that little g and the capital G. Uh, interesting, isn't it? Therefore I make a decree that any people, nation or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made an ash heap. Otherwise they burn it down. Because there is no other God who can deliver like this. Meaning that Nebuchadnezzar finally understood that God was not one of many but the only God. Did you catch that? Alright. Then the king promoted, notice promotion comes now, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Wow. And as wonderful as it was to have Christ with them, today we have Christ in us. And why the Apostle Paul so boldly says in Romans 8.31, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors. Gosh, if we get that revelation. Amen? Through Him who loved us. It is also interesting to note that Christ only appeared in the furnace. Notice He didn't come back out. Hello, I'm Jesus. Nice to meet you, Nebi. Or call me Nebi K, you know. <laughs> okay, whatever. You know, he, just, he didn't notice while they were in danger, He was with them. See, this is the thing. Sometimes, you know, we kind of say, Now, Jesus, can I practice having you around? So like you appear now, and if I know if you appear now, then when I'm going into this really bad situation, then I'll know you'll be with me then. Don't do that. When you need what you need, it's going to be there. That's our faith. That's our trust in God. Okay. So again, when the danger was over, he simply disappeared. With this incident, we bring the most interesting, significant, and spectacular appearances of the Lord in the Old Testament to a close. And in the process, again, an understanding of the coming Savior that very few people have ever had. Only now we will be able to fully understand why the Lord was so intolerant of the religious leaders of his time who were constantly questioning him, doubting him, discrediting him, and who ultimately murdered him. In fact, it was with these individuals in mind that I believe that the last chapter of Malachi was written and why it says in verses 1 through 6, and it will lead us now into the New Testament. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly, will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that will leave them neither root nor branch. But to you who fear my name, the sun 
Interesting, the word is capitalized, but it's S-U-N. It doesn't say the S-O-N, it's a capital S-U-N. He says, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in His wings. He is light. Remember that? Okay? And you shall go out and grow fat like uh, stall-fed calves, and you shall trample the wicked, for there shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. On the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of Moses? My servant, which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments, behold, I will send you Elisha the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. The reason it's great and dreadful is going to be great for those that were doing the right thing. It's going to be dreadful for those who are doing the wrong thing. Jesus is going to say, you are a bunch of whitewashed tombstones, you're serpents, you're vipers. He's going to pull their card. It's interesting that I, I'm sure all the, what's ironic, so to speak, about all of this, is that the very people that would have been saying, well, when our, when our Messiah comes, He is going to judge you all and put you all down. And they're the ones that are going to be judged. Interesting, isn't it? All right. And he says, again, remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb and all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah, Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Elijah the prophet is going to come in the form of John the Baptist. Now, he's not a reincarnation of Elijah the prophet. Okay? He's not. All right? And they're going to ask him and he's going to say, I'm not. All right? End of story. But the thing is, in the spirit of Elijah, this guy's going to come. Oh, I tell you what, he's going to just be wild as ever. He is not going to fit in anybody's religious box. He's going to upset all the religious people. And he's going to prepare the way for the Lord. Hallelujah. All right. And again he says here, verse 6, And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. And with that, the Old Testament ends. And there is 400 years of deafening silence before the arrival of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. As the Word made flesh and who would go on to change the world forever with His life and ministry. Alright, that's all the time we have for this session. Hope you enjoyed it. When we come back, we are going to we're going to dive into the Gospels. Hallelujah. And we're going to see him now in all of his fullness. Praise God. Let's have every head bowed in right close. Let's pray. Let's conclude for tonight. Hallelujah.